Welcome to both Success and Integrity with Bessie Graham, a podcast dedicated to established business leaders like you, ready to bring more meaning into your life in a way that strengthens rather than threatens the financial stability of your business. I'm your host, Bessie Graham. I've worked with business owners, governments, and large funding bodies like the United Nations for over 20 years to bring doing good and making money back together. So let's unpack why you don't have to choose between experiencing success or having integrity in your life. As we kick off today... I'd love for you to just close your eyes for a moment and think about how you feel when you hear me say, you can do good and make money. In fact, doing good is the competitive edge your business has been missing. How do you feel when you hear that? Does your heart sing? Do you feel hopeful? Or do you think, well, that would be nice, but, and then immediately find all of the reasons why you can't, not you, not now, not my business. The tendency to do this is completely natural. And of all the business leaders that I speak with, everyone has different responses to this idea of the fact that you can do good and make money. I have a question for you. As an established business leader, is your business exactly where you want it in every sense of that word, on all fronts, right now? Is your business exactly where you want it? Is your life exactly where you want it on all fronts right now? And does the mix or the blend feel energizing and in flow? I've been working with established business leaders for over 20 years, and I'm confident to guess that your answer is no. Not because you're ungrateful, selfish, or greedy, and not because you don't see or acknowledge the amazing opportunities, achievements, and relationships that you have around you, but because there is a stirring, a discomfort in you that you know there's more. All of us have a mix of stories, voices, expectations, beliefs and questions that swirl around in our minds. For you, as a business leader, I would venture to guess that one of the most limiting beliefs that has taken up residency rent-free in your mind is an unconscious belief 
And that is the belief that you can't do good and make money. It's cousin, the belief that you have to choose one, has probably also moved in. And it's obnoxious best friend, the very vocal belief that the purpose of business is profit maximization, is probably a regular visitor as well. Here's the thing though, who says you have to choose? If you stop and actually sit with the idea that a violent swinging to one side or the other of the spectrum is going to land you at a beautiful flow state, do you really believe that? If you stopped ignoring your intuition, stop seeking easy answers and off-the-shelf solutions, and instead decide to honour both yourself and your business, I believe there is a beautiful win-win to be found. Swimming in the middle, what I like to call both and, is more than just freeing. It's a game changer. My hope is that I can plant some seeds, raise some questions, and stir in you a curiosity for more. Now, I'm not the only one who is talking about these ideas. And I want to encourage you that this mindset shift is worthy of your time. As Larry Fink from BlackRock famously wrote in his 2019 letter to CEOs, profits are in no way inconsistent with purpose. In fact, Profits and purpose are inextricably linked. Now, I understand that even with hearing these ideas, hearing some of the people who are backing these shifts in the way we think about business, you still have questions, doubts, and fears. That's valid, and we can address those, but don't let them overrule your better judgment. Don't ignore that stirring in you that there is more and that the way you're currently operating is not actually satisfying the fullness of who you are and who you're becoming. As I will always remind you, life is multidimensional. While you may have achieved a level of financial freedom, Running a business can feel all-consuming, and that financial freedom on its own won't cut it if you feel trapped and locked into a path that requires your constant time and attention. Alternatively, you may have freedom on multiple fronts in abundance, but if you've swallowed the myth and picked making money as your sole focus, then the sense of satisfaction could be centred around a lack of fulfilment because you've lost touch 
with that sense of purpose, meaning, and contribution. So in this second category, often as business leaders, when that unconscious belief that I said earlier has probably taken up residency in your mind, that tells you that you can't do good and make money and you chose to build and run a business, so therefore you need to focus on the financial aspects, the profit maximization, the shareholder value. When you do that over an extended period of time, this lack of fulfillment can often be the driver for you in exploring what it means to bring back together the ideas of doing good and making money. Now, are you catching on to the fact that this both and mindset creates win-wins in so many different ways? The ability to do good and make money. The ability to connect your business strategy to what you actually care about. The shift to be able to feel a sense of pride in your business because under this approach, when you win as a shareholder, so do other stakeholders like your employees, your customers, your suppliers and the communities that you operate in. There's also the win of this new sense of clarity that can inform your decision-making and result in more alignment. So let's focus in on how you can connect your business strategy with what you care about. I want to ask you a few questions on both the business side and the personal side. First up, let's start with the business. What are the business goals that you have set for yourself this year? If you have the ability to write them down, great. If you're driving or walking, no worries. Just think about this for a moment. When thinking about your business, what are those big main goals that you've set for this year? Now, when you think about your business, how would you like customers to describe your business? And as you think about this, I want you to come up with more of those sort of descriptive words, how you want them to feel, the words you'd want them to use if they were talking to others about your business or if they were in a conversation with your team and explaining what that experience had been to work with you. So how would you want your customers to describe your business? Now we're going to shift gears and look at the personal side. When you think about your personal goals that you've set for this year, what were they? What are those big goals that you have set for yourself as an individual. Just think about those, bring those to mind. And now, thinking about the personal, how would you like your family 
and friends to describe you. When it came to the business, you thought about those ways that you want the customers to describe your business. But on the personal front, with friends and family, how would you want them to actually describe you? You can get to that answer however you like. Some people find it helpful to think about what would you want people that you love and care about to say about you at your funeral. If you don't like that approach, that's fine. Just come back to, again, some of those descriptive words, how someone might talk about the way you make them feel, how someone might describe the ways you behave or what you value. And you don't need to be trapped into just how you think they would describe you. I want you to think about how you would like them to describe you. As you now reflect on your answers to those two questions in each category of both business and personal, I want you to think about and draw out, were there any synergies, overlaps, or opportunities where your mind starts to realize, ooh, we could connect aspects of my business strategy with who I am as a person, what I care about, how I want to show up in the world. Equally, maybe as you look at those two areas of business and personal, there might be some conflicts or there might be some things that are at odds with each other. For example, it may be that some of those goals you've set for yourself on the business side may actually be at complete, uh, you know, loggerheads or, or in conflict with the ways you want your family and friends to describe you. Because in order to achieve those goals, they may require such a single minded focus and a time consuming element of you as the business leader, that they will cut into and be at odds with who you want to be on the personal side. At this point, don't judge it. Don't feel stressed about having to come up with a solution yet. I just want you to think about what do you see when you compare these two categories. And then I want you to also try to identify, are there any areas where there's curiosity or a spark in there that might hint at what you care about that could be a starting point to connect up your business strategy with that broader, bigger, more fulfilling sense of purpose and contribution? Now, this is a much bigger exercise, and obviously, if I was working with you one-on-one, we would spend a bunch of time here. But asking these questions and just sitting with them for a moment is an incredibly worthwhile and powerful exercise, because at least at a surface level, you will no doubt start to spot some things there in one of those categories that I just talked about, whether it is around those pieces of synergies, overlaps, opportunities whether it's aspects around conflicts and things that are at odds that you now need to just sit with and reflect on a little bit more, or whether it's in that category of these sparks, the curiosity, the hints of where you might begin to connect up your business strategy with what you care about. 
Now, I want you to remember that alignment, authenticity, and consistency between your values and your business decisions not only creates a more satisfying outcome for you, it resonates with your team and your customers. When people can see a logical connection between your contributions in the world and your core business, that is a powerful thing. And it is experienced by people as a far more authentic and genuine expression of who you are and who your business is. So the authentic alignment between your words and deeds is going to be far easier to achieve if you've done this work and exercise and done the thinking to bring out and draw back together these connections between the business strategies and the personal aspects of what you care about and want to contribute to. So don't just talk a big game, back it up. And in order to back it up, you have to have the clarity and insight, which is part of why I am going to continue to ask you questions, get you to sit with and grapple with things that may feel uncomfortable or frustrating, but that ultimately are the foundations on which you will then be able to build the type of business that creates both the freedom and the fulfillment that you're looking for. So while this approach taps into those aspects of being great for you, great for your customers and your employees, it's not just for you, your team and your customers. It's not just you who are going to win when you operate from a place of alignment. Guess who else is more focused on this now than ever? Investors. McKinsey put it perfectly when they said, thriving businesses concerned with long-term horizons fuel a virtuous cycle. They create jobs, increase tax revenue, and raise standards of living. ESG, as in environmental, social, and governance, helps generate wealth and wealth is not a fixed pie. So when we think about investors in this way and we think about that description we just heard around McKinsey talking about what's generated by taking this approach and specifically looking at it related to backing up the approach through a solid environmental, social and governance uh, sort of approach or, or mindset. So. In terms of investors, whether selling your company is on your radar right now or if it's not something you're even considering, it is wise to take a built-to-sell approach. I'm not sure if you've read the book, Built to Sell, but it's a great book. So have a read. Now, 
The reason why having this kind of approach to your business is a good idea is that a company that's ready to sell and is appealing to external investors only has upside. Whether you sell or hold, when you have a business that is sellable, you will win. So, what are the trends and what does the data tell us about how this approach will give you an edge? A growing number of businesses are looking to acquisitions to achieve their growth targets. PwC's CEO Pulse survey showed that 46% were looking to buy assets and a further 39% are seeing these investments as a way to position themselves more competitively and to improve sustainability and resilience. So let's just sit with that for a moment. The shift that we're seeing, and obviously there's always been some businesses who have looked at growth in this way, but the data shows that an increasing number of businesses are realising that that achievement of growth is not simply going to be them acquiring new customers, but it's going to be the acquisition of other businesses to help them grow, to break into new markets, etc. And so the positioning yourself in this way is important because there will be more and more opportunities where potential investors will be looking at your business as a way for them to grow. So I'm going to break this down into three buckets with a few examples of how taking this approach to your business will set you apart. The first bucket we're going to look at is around how it helps you to be appealing to investors. And when we get into this category, I'm going to remind you again then, but I want you just to remind yourself that as the business owner, you are an investor. Often we forget that and and don't think about or behave as an investor would in our own businesses. But I want you to, when we talk through this aspect about being appealing to investors, I want you to remember that you are an investor. The second bucket I'm going to talk to you about is around the idea that shareholders do win as well in this approach. And the third is about the benefits at the time of sale. So, first bucket, how it makes you appealing to investors. There's a whole bunch of things we could talk about in this category around why taking this approach, why shifting your mindset to have a both-and mindset, why beginning to break down that unconscious belief that you can't do good and make money, and to instead start to see doing good as your competitive edge will make you more appealing to investors in a few different ways. Here's some of them. The first is that with now decades of track record and evidence to back it up, investors know that taking this approach safeguards the long-term success of your business. 
You will no doubt have heard me talking about this before when I talk about the aspects around innovation, around thinking differently, around how this approach actually stops you from seeing things as externalities and taking a short-term approach and instead allows you to think much longer term, allows you to play out scenarios, to reverse engineer back from your goals and see things in a different way. Investors know this and they know that when you think like this, when you run your business like this, you are safeguarding that long-term success because you are not making decisions that might look impressive now in the short term but are actually going to fundamentally undermine the sustainability of your business long term. The second piece in this category, which is connected, is that it demonstrates a reduced risk for investors. That might be related to reputational risk, legal risks. It's across multiple different categories when it comes to risk. But again, that shift in your thinking, and not just thinking, the shift in the way you run the business actually de-risks and makes you more appealing to an investor. The third piece is around building resilience into your business model. Again, this comes down to that ability to anticipate, the ability to plan longer term and to stage your shifts to identify the components in the business model that actually are going to cause issues for you either now or in the future and build in resilience to that, build in the mitigation strategies, build in a diversification of revenue streams or customers or markets. All of these things make you and your business more appealing to investors. And the fourth area that I want to identify in this bucket is that in the case of an acquisition, if you've built your business in this way, it provides the opportunity for an investor to improve the sustainability rating of their portfolio. And we won't go into this in detail today, but this is a massive shift for for investors, particularly in that sense of having a fund that is now under pressure to have more components where it is ticking those boxes and able to demonstrate sustainability in its broader portfolio. Just like business leaders in that PwC research were starting more and more to see acquisitions as the way that they achieved their growth, investors are seeing the acquisition of companies like yours that have legitimately built in environmental, social governance approaches to business, the acquisition of a company like yours allows them to broaden out the aspects of the percentages of their own portfolios that have this sustainability in place. Now, my hope would then be that as they acquire you, 
that they start to take on board and that you can influence some of their other investments in their portfolio. But it's at least something worth considering when you think about the drivers or motivating factors of taking this approach in your business. Let's move on to the second bucket, which is around this aspect of the shareholder still winning. Now, if you are feeling nervous about all of this talk of a broadening out of the focus to take other stakeholders into account, never fear. Firstly, you're not alone in that. A lot of businesses and business leaders that I talk to bring this aspect up around, oh gosh, if we're having to take into consideration all of these other perspectives or the stakeholders beyond a shareholder, what does that mean if there's things that are at odds with each other or if they have competing needs or desires? In this approach that I'm asking you to take, shareholders do still win. I'm going to give you two quick examples where the research backs this up. The first is research done by McKinsey which shows that 63% of the time that an ESG proposal, so an environmental, social and governance approach to your business is put into place, it has a positive impact on equity returns. So that's in their research, shows that 63% of the time when you put these pieces into place, it has that positive impact. Now, I would argue that it's even higher than that if you truly embrace this both-and mindset and if you learn to work your business model until you find that win-win. But even in the first practicing steps of this where you haven't yet mastered that ability to work the business model and get this right, research shows 63% of the time it creates that win-win. The second piece of research that I want to just share with you related to this component to put your mind at ease that you as the shareholder will still still win comes out of London Business School where research shows that employee satisfaction is positively correlated with shareholder returns. Now, you will know that I speak a lot about the aspect of one of the ways that you can do good inside your business is to have that focus on your team. Now, the impacts that are generated by having that kind of uh, response are shown to have a uh, connection around that positive aspect of shareholder returns. The example that London Business School gave when they looked at this was that companies that were featured on Fortune's 100 Best Companies to Work generated 23 to 3.8% higher stock returns per annum than their peers. So again, the aspects when I talk about a business model and explain to you the components of where your employees or team having more of that sense of satisfaction, purpose, being proud to work for your company in terms of brand association, all of those pieces that go on inside your business absolutely impact the front end of your business in terms of the 
connection to service of customers, and then ultimately the way that that drives revenue into your business. The third bucket that we're going to look at to give you a little bit more meat on the bones around how this will play out practically for you in your business is specifically around the benefits at the time of sale. So if you do get to a point where you want to sell either the whole business or part of your business, then there are two key benefits at the time of sale that play out in research that show that both a higher valuation and a quicker sale are possible in terms of the uh, deal times for companies that have embedded, quantifiable and tracked approaches to solid environmental, social and governance principles. So let me tell you those two things again. Research shows higher valuations and quicker deal times. Now, when we look at what goes on when you actually get to that point of wanting to sell, the confusion and how difficult it is to agree on a valuation is a big factor. So when research shows that you will have a higher valuation if you do this, that's a pretty good motivating factor. Part of why you get to that place of a higher valuation comes back to the pieces we looked at in the first bucket around what makes you more appealing to investors when you take this approach. It's all of the aspects around it demonstrates your rigor in thinking. It gives an investor more confidence in the data that you have. It takes away many of those aspects around the risk that is in other businesses that are still treating as externalities, things that are going to actually impact the bottom line of the business. So your increased valuation comes down to that level of confidence that you are giving an investor. And that transitions you into that second piece around the speed of the deal. Now, Deals and due diligence are an exhausting and very detailed process when you get to that point of wanting to sell a business. And so the ability to speed that up by having these pieces in place is a pretty major thing. And again, it speeds things up because in a due diligence process where your organization has these aspects really embedded, they're not token, they are quantifiable, they are embedded in the way you do business and you have the data measurement to back it up, you will massively speed up the approach around due diligence and therefore the time it takes for a deal to occur. So that's the three buckets. And as we wrap up, I want to take you full circle and go back to that first question I asked you. So, if you're able to, unless you're driving, don't do it then, close your eyes with me again. And given what we've just talked about, how do you feel now when you hear me say, you can do good and make money? In fact, doing good is the competitive edge your business has been missing. Are you starting to feel more confident? Can you see a path towards different ways of thinking 
and acting in your business. I really do hope so. Please don't hesitate to reach out to me if you have any questions. I don't want you to feel alone as you embark on this incredibly important journey. I hope that this has been thought-provoking and has at least done that planting of seeds that I spoke about and hopefully stirred in you both a desire to operate differently but also the confidence to do so. Thank you for taking the time to listen to both Success and Integrity with Bessie Graham. If you found what I shared today valuable or you think that it would be good for a fellow business leader to listen to, then please share the episode with someone you know. Another way to help the podcast is to provide a rating and written review on your podcast app of choice. The written review is important because it helps others learn more about what we're trying to achieve. If you'd like to get in touch, please reach out to me at any time on LinkedIn, YouTube or Instagram just by searching Bessie Graham or you can go to BessieGraham.com. I'm Bessie Graham and remember... You don't have to choose between experiencing success or having integrity in your life.